I just don't think that he would really. I think he wants people to see the dick is the thing. Well, I mean, I've heard like I've heard you make you and Branson have made similar criticisms of some of my favorite performers. Like you, um, Branson, for instance, has said the new barber never cuts hair anymore, which is just like frankly not true. It's just not true at all. But pants, dude. I mean, like there's genuine like shock and like terror and humiliation when the elevator tears off his pants and you see his giant cock. <laughs> I think he's like, you know, I think he's like actually an amazing comedic performer. And that like after the military tribunals, after Mackinac, like, you know, executes Josh Hallway and everyone and this country, we can take this country back and we go back to normal that pants dude can make the crossover from pornography to regular movies and be in a series of movies about like, you know, like a scientist who has to develop a serum, but his pants keep falling down. I mean, it's about time we got just broad slapstick back. I mean, comedy, uh, verbal comedy has clearly hit a dead end now. Like, I was, it's yeah, no good. I was watching a trailer for a movie that's about like insufferable New Yorkers dating each other on Tinder. Ooh. And like, man, man, I like was talking to somebody and, and, and uh, I just said offhandedly this idea. Somebody was talking about a new show on Netflix. I'm like, oh, is it this? And they said no. And I'm like, wait a minute. How is this not a show? One, it's like uh, one, it's a show and it's a protagonist, either a man or a woman, whatever, going on different Tinder dates. Every episode is a different Tinder date. How is oh, that there, not there a is, show yet? There is kind of a show like that. It's called like Dating Around or some shit. It's a pretty good. That's like the best dating show. And it just like it'll be they'll go into a random city and like it'll focus on like one man or one woman going on a series of like four or five different dates. Mm. And like there will be like one episode is lesbians. One episode is like old guy dating old women. Ah. And it's that's it. I mean, that's like the best of the dating shows. It's very well done. It's very understated. See, I was thinking of a show where it's the same protagonist going on different dates each episode. And the through line is them like dealing with the death of their father or something. And oh, you mean they like find, a fictionalized? They find tre- yeah, exactly. And they find a treasure map. <laughs> yeah. That sounds pretty cool. I mean, physical comedy aside, I appreciate the pants guy just for like the awareness he raises about how dangerous escalators and exercise equipment can be. I mean, to your penis. Yeah, like I mean, I think I speak for all of us when I say like my number one fear. It's not like terrorism. It's not COVID. It's not even the environment. It is uh, getting my dick sliced off by things. <laughs> And every time you're near an escalator or something that can grab the leg of your pants or even go up high enough to mangle your shorts, that is two layers of protection gone. And it's easier for like a broken glass bottle or a particularly sharp fan to cut your dick off in the middle of Macy's. That's called, uh, yeah, that's called fan death. Yeah, that's what they're afraid of in Korea. (laughs) That's what everyone in Korea is terrified of. Well, um, I don't know if you can, uh, the, the, the sharp-eared listener uh, might have already discerned it, but uh, it's one of those increasingly rare special occasions in which we are all back in my living room. And, you know, when the boys are back in town, we're doing one thing and one thing only. That's right, watching gay porn. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. watching videos of uh, some guy's giant cock popping out of his uh, gym shorts. I will say this. Did there, from the gay porn I've seen, retweeted by my friends, you know, Palma and Bob, like, the, the comedic element of it, the intentional comedic element of it is superior to straight porn. There just aren't any big laughs in straight porn anymore, I don't think. <laughs> there's le- yeah, there's less, there's less opportunity for, like, really 
playing with the medium. Yeah. You know, just like having like, what what is comedy? There is, this isn't uh, necessarily like gay porn, but it's like uh, Andrew found these guys who are like middle-aged British guys who have like a basketball shorts fetish. <laughs> Their thing is to put on really shiny basketball shorts and jack off and come in them. And then, like, sell the shorts to other British guys. <laughs> they all look like Norman Reedus if he never made it. <laughs> I'm surprised basketball shorts made it over there. They don't really like that game in, oh, in the UK. It's hilarious. They're like, they like now like have a basic knowledge of like the NCAA because of how much they love jacking off in basketball shorts. That is like Thomas Friedman should write about that as like a victory of globalization. That like, it, <laughs> 50 years ago, it was impossible to imagine like British guys getting into basketball shorts and coming in them and selling them to each other and creating a, a micro economy <laughs> in like Leeds. But now because they can watch, they can go on YouTube and watch like KU or Duke, then they see those players and they see their shiny shorts and they're like, I need to jack off in them or I need to buy a pair that someone jacked off in. I mean, I, I got to say. For my money's worth, the best the best basketball shorts to jack off in and come all over. It got to be UNC Powder Blues, baby. Tar Heels all the way. Yeah, yeah. Because you can really see the stains on them. Yeah, <laughs> they really show up. And those are for like, yeah, for a certain type of American, those are like the premium shorts. You know, the white the <laughs> white guy with UNC Powder Blue shorts who's just always pacing around a train station. Uh, all those British guys are now are now standing um, for for labor uh, boroughs. Yeah, I did. Uh, Keir Starmer has put them up um, against um, momentum candidates. I did. I did look up and down uh, one of the guys' timelines, and he's like anti Starmer, but anti Boris. But I don't think he's like a Corbinite. He's a Lib Dem. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what being a Lib Dem means. <laughs> You're, just, You're like I have a small. Show. I have a small business. I have a small uh, apparel, secondhand apparel business. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pay lower taxes. Uh, well, he was really anti-police. They're the ones that are trying to stop. They're trying to stop the, them from doing this. That's what I got ticketed for in Scotland. <laughs> I was doing that. I was doing that when we were getting on the train. Like I always do. Like I have no problem doing it in America. No one even bats an eye at me on my way here. No one batted an eye at me doing that. I was grabbing my shiny purple shorts and just busting a load and it was running into my socks and it created like a unified crust from my hip bone to the bottom of my feet. And no one, it's just regular here. Everyone does it. I go over there the first time I do it, I get a fucking ticket. The damn, the damn Bobbies nicked you. And yeah. then they yanked your shorts down on the train and everyone was just like, my stars. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. That's what, um, that's what avengement was about. That's the crime they were doing. <laughs> that was the crime. <laughs> they had to no, steal people's yeah. houses to jack off in their basketball shorts. <laughs> <laughs> they set people up to have their shorts pulled down in public and then they're like, all right, here's the deal. You're going to give us your house, so we're going to put this on the internet. In Adventure 3, they'll finally reveal how they're making any money off that. <laughs> well, boys, um, glad, to, uh, glad to be back in the same room. Um, I guess we should start. Uh, I mean, well, where else are we going to go? Afghanistan. Uh, folks, if you thought we could spend two weeks evacuating tens of thousands of people with like basically no one dying and not have... ISIS, or let, shall we say another collection of letters <laughs> yeah. have their say in the matter? You were wrong. Welcome to Benghazi 2. 
Yeah. Uh, was it like 10 or 12 American soldiers got blown up at the Kabul airport today? And be get ready to have hearings about this for the next four years. Every 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 that, that's every time. See, so get out. You know, they, they just they, they drag me back in, Jack. Very, very um, convenient appearance by an antagonist from two or three seasons ago. Yeah. Uh, particularly an antagonist who always the heads of their operations in every country always seem to be taken out of prison by American forces. That's weird. Just, you know, you know, just, you know, as that happened, as it happens, just a bad coincidence. The K in this case, it's ISIS K. The K stands for Khorasan. And if anybody remembers the Khorasan mm -hmm. group, the Khorasan yeah. group, a group that existed for approximately two yeah. weeks, long enough to justify a bombing campaign and then was never heard from again. They're, folks, they're, they're dabbing back. on us, folks. They're back. Wow. <laughs> We're getting dabbed on. Yeah, we thought we kicked them into the Sarlacc pit. Damn, we really thought John Kerry got them. He did not. So, yeah, um, basically, all of the Republican... Like, I, I've seen like at least four or five Republican politicians today call for Biden to be impeached over this. Yeah, no, they're going hard for it. Uh, and they're going to have a lot of support. I mean, this, this is... It has been startling watching the media that was absolutely in the tank for Biden. There's it no, so you amazing. cannot argue that that's not true. You can say whether it was deserved because Trump was a threat to the Republic, whatever bullshit you want to say. The fact is the professional media was propping his ass up like weekend at Bernie's the entire campaign. And then in the first six months of his president, look at our big boy passing a bipartisan infrastructure bill. We're mm -hmm. so proud of him. It's so good. There's so much good stuff in here. As soon as he gets out of Afghanistan, uh, actually, uh, wow, this is a this is a stunning uh, betrayal and perhaps uh, even a sign of cognitive decline. Now, after all this, after this late fucking date, you're gonna start talking this shit. After it really shows what the actual agenda that matters is. Yeah, we, saw, the we saw him like a month before this when he was at that CNN town hall go. The thing with the you just gotta go to the FDA and say we're trying to uh, go to. If you want to go into the room where everyone is, you can just, you can pack a lunch. And he was talking about like getting the vaccine approved for 12 year olds. And they just had, they were like, no, that's a good point, sir. And now, like now, apparently 25th amendment time. Coming up after the break, a one-on-one -on -one interview with Tara Reid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, they certainly got some ammo if, in that uh, Biden press conference that just happened. Uh, I didn't watch it. Did, did, Joe is looking. Mm, Joe's not looking robust. At one point, he he just glitched out for I'd say a solid twenty seconds. Okay, just didn't happened. say a word. Just kind of looked wetly up. Kind of looked like he forgot where he was. He noticed the storm was coming. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Watch out. Joe is the storm. Yeah, no. I mean, he, this is the one thing that Trump literally never did in four years that these Q dipshits were waiting for, which is actually go against the fucking deep state. Trump literally in his like third week in office went to the CIA and was like, you guys can do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> to, the, to the point about like, it is astonishing because Joe Biden is entirely a creation of the media and the people they serve. He's their guy. Yeah, he is their guy. And it is. It's amazing. Like, this is just him. This is him ending one war. Yeah. This is just him ending one of our empire's, like, money laundromats. Yeah. And, like, which is they should be fucking thanking him for. They it's should be grateful for him to do this shit. We're betraying our allies. And look at all the violence that's happening. All that violence that happened for 20 years that we spent zero moments talking about. And the, the other, combined yeah. five minutes over 2020. <laughs> yeah. And the other big talking point is that they're like, they're like, oh, why did we have to do this now? Like for the last year, not a single American soldier died. Like, you're, how could you say this wasn't sustainable? It's like, 
no shit because the peace deal that like Trump signed with the Taliban Ed was too much of a the, fucking bitch to pull go fall the through. The reason on. there weren't any attacks on U.S. troops is because the Taliban were like, okay, well, yeah, yeah, we you're leaving. You we're told leaving. us you're leaving, right, and yeah. Trump was too much of a fucking bitch to pull the trigger. He was going to do it as an election stunt, and they scared him into holding off. And then it took uh, fucking Irish Joe to actually follow through because he doesn't care anymore. The deep state didn't even threaten Trump's family. They were like, yeah, we're going to we're going to pull the plug on the Regis hologram that you <laughs> talked to. And he was like, no, <laughs> uh, just uh, I, I've just been thinking about Trump again for uh, uh, two reasons. Like, obviously, because like, you know, these soldiers that just got killed in a suicide bombing like, expect to know every detail of their lives. Oh, yeah. Expect to have, like I said, between nine to 25 congressional hearings mm-hmm. and independent mm-hmm. commissions about this. But I was just remembering back, we've talked about it on the show before, but <laughs> those soldiers that got killed in Niger in like the first four <laughs> days of Trump's administration, and they were just like, they didn't even recover the bodies. Nope, just left they were left to be to eaten, get by, eaten vultures. by vultures. And I'm just reading like the, the Guardian account of like the follow-up where it said like he called the widows and made them cry because he told one of the widows over the phone that, that her husband, quote, knew what he signed up yep. for. Yeah. But it hurts anyway, and it made me... <laughs> but <laughs> even, the, even a media that hated Trump didn't really talk about it that much because we don't really want to get into, hey, why are we in Mali in the first place? These aren't questions that we really want to focus oh, on. Oh, yeah. If you think they're not covering Afghanistan, <laughs> yeah. you see the combined, combined numbers on AFRICOM op- operations. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there will be endless, endless tears about the... Uh, 12 military members but i think it was they're still counting it but it was 90 afghans i think yeah and just nothing nothing uh, just one, one one more hit on trump here uh he's uh, he's doing the media rounds today and this was from an interview with uh hugh hewitt uh just today or the other day and he says um uh he's speaking of course about biden and you know he's he's you know uh he's like you know, look this is Sleepy Joe. Like this never would have happened. This never would have yep. happened if I yeah, because you wouldn't have pulled out. Because the co- the fucking uh, the jet the handsome generals would have done a puppet show for you, <laughs> and you would have gotten scared. So this, uh, Trump says, and they respected us. They respected me, but they respected us. And I don't think the Taliban wasn't watching because ISIS is tougher than the Taliban and nastier than the Taliban. And ISIS was watching, and then they were. They didn't exist anymore. And we took out the founder of ISIS, al Baghdadi, and then of course Soleimani. Now, just so you understand, Soleimani is bigger by many, many times than Osama bin Laden. The founder of ISIS is bigger by many, many times. Al-Baghdadi, then Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden had one hit, and he was, it was a bad one, in New York City, the World Trade Center. But these other two guys were monsters. Wow. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Uh, sorry, it was two hits in New York City, Trump. I mean, let's, let's, let's be serious. Those are two big singles. And a cruise missile into the Pentagon. Yeah, um, but I, I, lo- I, I love that he is claiming... He's attacking Biden and claiming this glory for himself by basically saying, Osama bin Laden, he wasn't such a bad guy. <laughs> he was fine. He was good. He wasn't large. Okay. He, These other guys, they're very big. I thought he would love bin Laden because bin Laden was very tall. Uh, <laughs> He's a true. big guy. Yeah. But like, do you think this is, I read a bit deeper into this when he said one hit in New York City, which is amazing. It makes him sound like he's talking about like a boogie with a hoodie. <laughs> like, yeah. He had one big song in the summer of 2018. <laughs> but like, is that did you think like the first week in the CIA was like, hey, like, listen, we did like hit the Pentagon with a hologram with <laughs> like cover up this like stem cell trafficking ring or whatever, <laughs> you know, and he yeah, was like, he's, you, he's you, you, you like, yeah, you like can't tell anyone. And he just accidentally he just accidentally took uh, <laughs> credit away for the Pentagon attack. 
from Al Qaeda. <laughs> That's what I'm reading into it. I just, you know, like, uh, like more, more on the uh, the war that uh, journalism is waging now against uh, uh, Irish Joe. Uh, this, is, this is one of my favorite uh, tweets from this morning. This is uh, Josh Rogan. I don't know if you guys remember that guy. He's like he's yeah. Seth's younger he, brother. He's a lesser Eli Lake. He's yeah, a, yeah. Josh Rogan is like he's like the R two D two to Eli Lake's Luke Skywalker. Exactly. Uh, he says the DC Josh Rogan tweets here. The DC National Security Establishment is not trying to quote punish Biden for ending the Afghanistan war. For two weeks, the singular all caps focus I've seen is hundreds of people trying desperately to save their Afghan friends' lives and mostly failing. Well, Damn, sounds, he, like, sounds like they should have never been in charge of any of that. <laughs> sounds like you should fucking boot them home. Yeah. Sounds like they fucking suck at the one job they so, said they yeah. were supposed to do. Emphasize my, failing there. My, my, yeah. my comment here is, uh, they evacuated 50,000 people last week. How many friends does this guy have? <laughs> it's like, Josh Rogan does not even have friends who are American. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do not believe he has that many yeah, Afghan none of these friends. Do. None of these people do. And like, also, isn't that a little bit unethical for like journalists and national security people to be like, this is all about my friends. My homies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My chosen family. <laughs> we don't have friends. We have family. <laughs> yeah. I need, the, I need them here for Friendsgiving. Do you- <laughs> <laughs> well, could I grab a self-serve? Sorry, no selfs. Well, it looks like I'll just kill myself. <laughs> um, uh, the other bit of uh, uh, Biden news. Um, did you guys see Kamala in Vietnam paying tribute to the brave defense forces of the MVA? Yeah. Laying a wreath at the memorial that marks the spot where John McCain's plane was shot down over uh, Hanoi. That like, is- does she actually think that it's like a memorial? Does she think that the people of Vietnam... Or like that, the guy he was so good at bombing our light bulb factories that we wanted to honor him. <laughs> to be fair, McCain himself laid a wreath at the same memorial, which is, I don't know, maybe a little bit different. Um, it's like Mr. It's like Mr. Bean speaking at the funeral of a dowager <laughs> that he dropped in a clear down her cleavage. <laughs> it's just so fun. It's just like like this is not, like this- a that they think that's like for the Vietnamese even like especially love John McCain because of his resolve, but like. B, like this is humiliating. This is this is humiliating. Like they shot you down with like probably like a seventy year old AA gun. This is not an accident. Kamala didn't want to do that. She she knew she knew what the implications were. But I guarantee you, Irish Joe was like, no, we are ending the America KKK and Empire, and that begins with us paying proper tribute to the heroes of the Vietnam War. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is, what is the... Congressional Joan- Medal of Freedom for Jane Fonda coming up. <laughs> what is the Jackanon reading into that event? Who's Jackanon? Jackanon is Joe's the Storm. Uh, he's been undercover for 40 years as a yeah. U.S. senator. He's and he's going to bring down the deep oh, state. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ja- Jackanon is... Yes, it, it's Biden Jack. is the real cue. Yeah. But he's Jack. Yeah. It's Jack. It goes all the way. Yeah. He's been doing drops that are cryptic and strange, but it's just him speaking on television. Yeah. You you know, the the, the seers have to parse what his words mean. Yeah. I think it's like probably like an admission that he was at the military tribunal where they killed John McCain a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And also um, subjecting Kamala to sound waves. Yeah, that's true. Kamala got Havana syndrome. Yeah, it was was sending Kamala. To see the grave of another guy killed in a military tribunal and then going, that's about to be you. Enjoy these sound waves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the other thing like regarding the media and Biden, like you said, like uh, 
just the, the contrast between the way they covered him during the election and certainly the Democratic primary to now is so incredible. And like the, the most vivid depiction of that is someone had a, someone shared it was it was a transcript of the, that the New York Times did of his interview with George Stephanopoulos. And I've never seen them do this before, but they included all of the stuttering yeah. in his statement. They, they, they literally transcribed it verbatim. So, it, of course, when you read it, just like when we all saw it on TV, we're like, what a bunch of fucking gibberish. This guy is out to lunch. But, like, I swear to God, during the Democratic primary, we all watched those debates. Yep. And I would open the New York Times the next day, and they'd be like, our, our experts grade the debate. And uh, speaking of something where, like, his eyes started bleeding on stage, like, eight other people Tooth just fell out of his off, mouth. teed off on him. Like, yeah, just... Started just lying. It's <laughs> just yeah, yeah. And they were like, uh, "B plus." Biden kept his head above water and performed admirably. Yeah. The, the only good moment Biden had at any debate was when he like he did one of his Irish tricks, and when like you know Trump was like, "Your son's disgusting. He's a drug addict," and he's like, "My son Bo went to Afghanistan and he's dead. He's not a drug addict." <laughs> and, and Trump like Trump actually like looked. He put him on his back heels for once. He got confused for a second. Yeah, no. Biden threw like, like he was getting his ass kicked, then like grabbed a fistful of sand and threw it in Trump's face. <laughs> yeah, Trump has no, uh, he has no combo uh, reaction to uh, like just weepy Irish sentimentality because he, he, he has he, never cared about any human being. Yeah. He was inside Biden's AOE for that attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did <laughs> not. He, Trump did not have the eye frames for that. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's he's above like ninety percent weight burden. He was fat rolling. <laughs> I saw someone angrily be like, apparently Joe Biden brought a bow at this current, today's yep, press yeah, conference. Yeah, yeah, and someone was just like, you can't just bring a bow as a mulligan every time your American soldiers die. And I was like, wrong, bitch. Yeah, no. <laughs> God, he, that's he, exactly he what He will Bo never is. stop doing that. You were fine with him the last 500 times he did it. Joe, like Joe and Bo should be commended because they did the wall in reverse. This, so? The sun goes to war. Oh, right, yeah. And dies. It doesn't die in the war, but dies. The sun goes to war and dies. The dad has a non-linear recapture of every <laughs> moment of his life. <laughs> like, the dad is Bob Geldof in the movie, mm. where he's, like, he's like sitting in a hotel room, and but instead of, like, smoking and doing drugs, he's, like, drinking a milkshake and, like, watching TV <laughs> and, like, and, like, you know, thinking about, like, the pressures of being... The star of being yeah. the president, of being the star for so long. And then he, he like goes through every moment of his life. He remembers like, you know, his mom giving him like canola oil when he was sick with like mumps or some shit in 1912. He remembers corn pop. He remembers all that shit. He remembers all his loves. And then he remembers them all as animated sequences. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, wait, I have to I have to destroy the wall. I've built the wall. I have to destroy the wall. And then that's, um, what else happens to the wall? The guy comes to the theater. The guy comes, in, the guy comes, he becomes in. a fascist at one point. Yeah. 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 The guy, the guy comes in the theater and he's like, are there any Jews or gay people in the audience? You look gay. And I haven't figured out what character that is yet. Maybe Nancy Pelosi. Not sure, but they are, do they're assuredly doing the wall in reverse. Dr. Jill. Do you think they'll drop the bomb? <laughs> Jack, do you think she's good enough for me? And okay, the lyric in Mother, uh, the the line, uh, she won't let you fly, but she might let you sing. That's all the times Joe tried to run for president and failed. <laughs> yeah. yep. uh, oh, and the song, uh, this is more the album, but the song Vera Lynn, the only lyrics to Vera are, um, 
does anybody remember Vera Lynn? Does anybody remember when she would say blah blah blah? Does anyone feel the way I do? That's just the that's something speech. he would say. That's just a speech. <laughs> that's yeah. a speech he would give. And then the next song, the exact next song after Vera is "Bring Our Boys Back Home." Holy shit! That's dude. Uh, it's dude, just checking every box on the list here. Roger Waters, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. Yeah, we want to talk to you about how you made a, a one of the greatest concept albums of all time about Joe Biden. All I guess just like to illustrate, um, what, once again, I'm turning to the New York Times to illustrate, you know, the, uh, the forces arrayed against uh, Mackinac and all, all, all the seers and experiencers out there who are, you know, they're, they're channeling the Joe, Joe Vibin right now. Yes. You know, like we are, you know, going to war with the deep state and the uh, several arrangements of letters that uh, currently blew up 12 soldiers, it's all of our brave soldiers in Afghanistan. This is, um, this is of course, Ryan C. Crocker. <laughs> Could not have the Dickensian perfection in the naming of this guy here. Uh, he was, of course, um, the ambassador to Afghanistan under President Barack Obama. Uh, just like the pure snake that he is Ugh. now coming in to stab Joe in the back here. Uh, why Biden's lack of strategic patience led to disaster. Yeah, not enough patience. Strategic patience. If you don't wait another 20, 20 years. years. Maybe 40, maybe 60. Strategic patience. Ryan Crocker writes, as Americans, we have many strengths. No, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'll stop no, you. I'll stop I, you right false. there. I'll stop you right there, buddy. Yeah, just pure weaknesses, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the Snopes meter is going crazy right now. <laughs> uh, but strategic patience is not among them. We have been able to summon it at critical times, such as the Revolutionary War and World War II, uh, both of which took about one tenth of the length. Yeah, of the exactly. War. Yeah. <laughs> Had progress, the forward momentum, <laughs> yeah. a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Where, for example, Congress did not threaten to defund the war effort if it wasn't wrapped up by 1944. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that was World War II. That was World War II. That was World War II, not Afghanistan, God, buddy. these psychos. World War II, man, it's the, it, it was the crucible that all this shit, national security state was built in, all these structures were built in, and, and it's the only frame of reference that makes sense of American foreign policy. Because it's the only one that can be like, like defended, yeah, and like, like on any on any like strategic or moral level, and also it's the only one we've won it's since then. One. Yeah, what my God, well, the Gulf War maybe, but like, does that, oh, that was come like, that on. Was I mean, that was a setup. You might as well put yeah. you put that in the same no, category. The Gulf War was yeah. a The yeah. Gulf War was a setup. It doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. that was some Baldrillardian shit. That didn't actually happen. Yeah. yeah, he says in Korea, nearly seven decades after an inconclusive truce, we still have twenty eight thousand troops. Yeah, that's a yeah, okay. great, great idea. Great. We should do that. That great. makes sense. We're <laughs> awesome. Good idea. But our patience is not the norm. And it certainly has not been on display in Afghanistan as the world watched the Taliban storm into Kabul. As the enormity of the events in Afghanistan this past week sinks in, the questions start. How did this happen? <laughs> yeah, that's a good fucking question to start asking. How did it start? Well, it happened because we invaded Afghanistan in 2001. The, I mean... A lot of fucking nerve for this guy, <laughs> career diplomat. He was Obama's ambassador to Afghanistan. Last, yeah, last was yeah ambassador to Afghanistan. How did this happen? I don't know. What do you think, fucker? <laughs> How could we not have foreseen it? Why didn't the Afghan security forces put up a fight? Why didn't we do something about corruption? <laughs> we were oh my the corruption. God. We're the swamp. <laughs> we are the fucking swamp. Everything we went we there. Touch turns to shit. We went there. And we're like, why don't we make this into Florida? Why don't we turn this fucking land into Jacksonville? 
We fucking brought, we helicoptered into Afghanistan on top of pallets of $100 bills and said, who are the biggest disgusting perverts and pedophiles and murderers you have who will not blink an eye about collaborating with a demonic foreign power to, to rule over this country? Yeah. I can't believe that they fucking took some public money. You remember when... Uh, I wonder what the fucking contractors did. You remember during the Iraq war when the New York Federal Reserve um, <laughs> just yeah. it, like, like literally did a cash transfer of $9 billion in cash from the New York Federal Reserve to Baghdad Ooh, on go? a military C-130 cargo oh, plane. As soon as it touched down at the Baghdad airport, uh, let's just say certain organizations were just like, oh, wait, could you sign for this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just like, gone. Like Fidel just Castro disappeared. and the trillion dollar bill. <laughs> yeah, just disappeared. Give what back? Uh, it says, the list goes on. There is one overarching answer. Our lack of strategic patience at critical moments, including from President Biden. It has damaged our alliances, emboldened our adversaries, and increased the risk to our own security. It has also flouted 20 years of work and sacrifice. There's no, there, was, <laughs> there was no work. There was no work. The, the fact that it collapsed overnight proves that there was no fucking work. I mean, like, yeah, you, like, if you're if you are arresting me after T-boning this minivan, you are flouting the 10 stop signs that I stopped at perfectly on the way there. Yeah. <laughs> this the, this whole op edge just be called. I was shit. <laughs> I was yeah. shit. We tried being the country that we were supposed to be. If we were to go back to Afghanistan, which we wouldn't, it would be with a healthy attitude, which would not happen. <laughs> the United States' objective in Afghanistan has always been clear. Oh, oh really? It? Really? Yeah. Someone should have let us know. That might have helped. Uh, Maybe the, the ambassador. Patience thing. <laughs> To ensure that Af okay, the, the objective All is right, always been Hit me. to ensure that Afghan soil right. is uh -huh. never again used to plan attacks against the American homeland. Okay, that's stupid then, and I don't care. <laughs> I, and no I, one, no one did for like, like five minutes. It was all about getting Bin Laden, and then it's like, oh, he's gone. Oh well, we're just gonna hang around, and then we just then, never like, heard about it again until today. And if that was the strategic objective, then like that implies that like going forward in the future. If there is any soil on the surface of the planet that, like, a terrorist is like, currently thinking about... That's the thing. How hard is it to plan a terrorist <laughs> attack about are we gonna America? Are we what gonna do you occupy, need to do? Are we going to occupy, like, Berlin? Are we going to occupy Egypt? Are we going to... Just anywhere there any of these cities, people go. Are we going to go to Saudi Arabia? Are we going to invade that? There are cities in Syria that are run by Al-Qaeda, as in they are the governing structure of the city. Modern cities with, like... Communication infrastructure, access to international airports and shit. Why the fuck would you go to a goddamn cave in the middle of the fuck in uh, the Hindu Kush? Uh, it says it was not okay. That it was not about nation building as an end in itself, or building a new democracy, or even regime change. I mean, this is I. I hate to use this word. This is gaslighting. This what, is literally. This is, this is, what are you saying though? The implication of that. We're not going to actually build a sufficient governing structure to stand on its own and not become a terrorist reading ground. That means we just have to be there forever. Yeah. That means no, we yeah, have to be there that's exactly. forever. This like well, well when Max Boots said that's Indian, called strategic Indian wars, patience. That's like, yeah, that's what this means. It always means that like we're there now. And this is just where we are. I, like we're still in South Korea, like we're in Germany, like we're in Italy, like we're in Japan, like we're in the fucking Philippines. I will give this guy credit for at least being open about that and not being like the people who are like or relatively open, not being like the people who are like, no, um, it's fine to leave. We just did it the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, I will he he won't fully come out and say literally there forever, like everywhere else, but 
as close as a guy like this will ever get. I says, uh, the message from the Bush administration to the Taliban after 9-11 made this clear. If you hand over al-Qaeda leadership, we will leave you alone. Nope, they literally wrong. offered they to offered do that. They literally made lie, that exact lie, offer lie. to the Bush administration. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, we will leave you alone. Nope, incorrect. The Taliban chose to fight instead. Nope, wrong. Lie. Well, I mean, we chose to fight them, and yep. I guess we see the results. <laughs> yeah. They won. Yeah. <laughs> well, they once, wanted it more. Once the Taliban were defeated, you know, the slight asterisk <laughs> on that clause right there, our fundamental mission of ensuring that, the, that Afghanistan was never again the base for an attack on the United States did not change. Yeah, that's like saying like that the uh, Atlanta Falcons defeated the Patriots in the first half of the <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl. Uh, but the means to that end became much more complex, and the development of those means would require patience. <laughs> when I arrived at Bagram Air Force Base in January 2002 to take charge of our... Oh, this guy was also uh, working for the Bush administration as well. I forgot about that. Uh, when I arrived at Bagram Air Force Base in January 2002 to take charge of our reopened embassy, Afghanistan had nothing. Essentially, no government, no institutions, no army, no police. What it did have at Bagram Air Force Base was a giant torture dungeon. <laughs> uh, just a yawning vacuum. And vacuums in the greater Middle East tend to be filled by actors who do not wish us well. Hamid Karzai had arrived in Kabul just a few days before me as chairman of the Afghanistan Interim Authority. He and I spent a lot of time together in those initial weeks. He never seemed discouraged by the enormity of the task in front of him. He did not hesitate to make decisions. Many good, some not so, so much. He had a vision of a stable and secure Afghanistan that threatened no one. It would be a long process, he said, but he had the patience for it. So did we, at least initially. Helping Afghans create a stable, open society could also be the best way to further our own national security objectives. This concept had strong bipartisan support on the Hill as a wave of congressional visitors to Kabul would attest. And that's the other thing. Is like, I, I've seen a lot of people lamenting that like, after 9-11, the country was united to defeat a common enemy. Now we're more divided than ever. It's just like, this problem was caused by how yeah. united this country yeah, was after 9-11. No. That's not a good thing. Anytime there's national unity, we all unify to do the dumbest the thing possible. Dumbest, the worst time. possible the outcome. The monstrous yeah. thing. This and, is yeah, and like what what they're what they're lamenting is that like you know the the nonpartisan consensus about foreign policy is breaking down. Yeah, yeah, it's now it's now an actual political football. The the, the war on terror framing is politicized, and uh, if, if that's bad news for them because there really is nobody who wants to take that on. Like both both parties pretend to be now like they're against uh, interventions, and uh, and that's bad news. So you know. Uh, it'd be a shame if a bunch of bombs went off in the middle of a of a very high profile uh, uh, evacuation. I mean, I I have seen that like um uh, like a polls last week show that a majority of Americans like by sixty percent still were in favor of the withdrawal. After another week of the media coverage of this, it's down to forty five percent. They're gonna keep chipping, and it's like forty yeah. percent are opposed to the withdrawal, and that is under like the unified like <laughs> the unified field theory of like media programming of like how people get their news in this country and they still can't get a majority of plurality of people to be against the withdrawal but definitely Biden's approval rating has ticked down because of this he has taken a hit on this he's underwater for the first time he's snorkeling with Kamala <laughs> but the thing is though like if we want to talk about this in like crass horse race political terms if he decides or if he is going to run again in 2024 which is an open question i mean i think maybe he did this because he had never had any fucking interested i mean he never thought that would be a realistic option for him given his brain and body yeah i mean, I, mean I, I, I really wanted it to be honest with you 
<laughs> I was really looking forward to it. It would have been oh the the chills and spills, but like for Biden and like the Democrats, which are like anyone who runs for president, I'm sure like this will be hung around their neck for certain. It was good of him to do this now rather than wait a couple of years. Because I guarantee you by the time the next 2024 election rolls around, people probably won't care about it. Oh, God. This. No. I, I mean, mean, I don't think they really care about it now. I just think like when they're asked a question and like the most, like, do you support Joe Biden's decision to kill American children? <laughs> yeah, exactly. To humiliate the United States military? Like, yeah, like you'll get the answers you want. Exactly. People, people don't even remember the shit Trump did in 2017. Even with the Democratic effort against him in 2020, it was just like the last year of hits for him. Granted, a bit of that was because of COVID, but this, no, like for better or for worse, we have a very short memory in this country now. So what we always say, like, pfft, you'll be angry about something next week. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Same thing I tell people when they yell at Matt Brunig. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm always right. Uh, skipping ahead a little bit, he says... Clearly, there were also problems. I mean, and then, like, in contrast to the girls' schools he just talked about, and that lots of everyone in Congress visited and loved so much. But clearly, <laughs> Stephen A. Smith's voice, clearly, clearly <laughs> there were also problems. Chief among them, corruption. Karzai and the later President Ashraf Ghani presided over governments where corruption was rampant. When vast resources are poured into a country without established institutions and rule of law, corruption is likely to be a significant byproduct. Uh, the country he's talking about is America, by the way. The country without good institutions or a rule of law, that's us. Uh, this is not to excuse corrupt officials. It is to recognize the ubiquity of the problem and our role in it. Look at our own history as, in look at our own history as instructive. Corruption was endemic in New York, Boston, and Chicago through much of the 19th and 20th centuries. It took us time to grow the institution. Once again, this is anti-Irish bias. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Head. Yeah. This, this is, oh, God, I'm so mad right now. The racism that, I, that we face, <laughs> the community in this country. There's still, there's still New York, Boston. That's coded language. That, it absolutely that's is. That's coded language. Through much of the 19th and 20th century. By the way, uh, New York state politics is insanely corrupt in the 21st no, century. No, yeah, the only difference you, now, the only difference just, now, instead of like, yeah, a guy giving you $20,000 and then your cousin works at his company is now that you're like making that deal with like Foxconn. Yeah, no, it's like New York in the 21st century is like, <laughs> Andrew Cuomo literally disappears the bodies of 12,000 elderly people who died in like fucking uh, abattoirs owned by a campaign donor <laughs> yeah. versus Boss Tweed. You would get that turkey on fucking Christmas. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Your cousin could get that road contract. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the money was trickling down. Chicago used to be so corrupt. Like, Rahm Emanuel fixed it. We would never have something like two consecutive mayors covering up police murders. <laughs> he goes here. Uh, it took us time to grow the institutions and legal structures that would eventually make corruption the exception rather than the norm. Look, I'm sorry. Like, even in his, like, uh, Bill the Butcher, like, fantasia of what New York politics was like in the days of the five points... I'm sorry, it was nothing like fucking Afghanistan. Yeah. Okay? It was not like just scores of people being killed every day. And like... <laughs> not in a, like an insurgency against the state. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, yeah, it was violent or whatever. But like Lower Manhattan didn't become like the world's greatest exporter of opium. I, I think this guy literally watched Gangs of New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you're, uh, and that returns me again to the cent central theme. Time and patience. As our own history attests, societal change is a slow project, pro, a slow process. Witness the 11 years of our, our new country spent moving from the Declaration of Independence to the Constitution. 
Even then, issues like slavery were papered over, only to erupt in a civil war 74 years later. Okay, this is the timeline he's talking about here. That's 74 <laughs> plus 11, which is... Uh, yeah, 20 is... Not, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 20, 20, what's that? What's 20 years? The civil war analogy is amazing because that's like, I mean, well, that's like literally a war that we, like, the good guys ended up kind of losing. Yeah, in the, in the long run. Yeah. Overall, like... They didn't get to keep slavery, but they certainly got to keep their way of life. Yeah. And also, like, while the Civil War was going on in this country, like, I mean, like, England could have easily just been like, look at the chaos and instability that, like, happens when our empire leaves a country. They can't get it right. You know, they need, they need, they need, they need, they need King George's time and patience. He goes, um, even, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yet, we seem unable to appreciate that other societies will find the challenge just as difficult and even more so if the engine of change is a foreign army. I recall the comment attributed to a captured Taliban fighter from a number of years ago. You Americans have the watches, but we have the time. Who? What commander was that? Gary V. <laughs> <laughs> that was like that. Was, I don't even think that guy was like captured. Like I think they just gave him up. They were annoyed by that guy. He was always saying stuff like that. He was always giving like unk wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> If I, if I go into the Kabul airport and it stank, I'm stealing something. <laughs> Mind um, of Mullah Omar. Sadly, <laughs> she a pussy got me acting strange. <laughs> sadly, that view proved accurate. The Taliban outlasted us and our impatience. I just like we've talked about this for like like three or four episodes in the in a row now. The fucking way that these people talk about like you and I and just like the American people in general is just like. Uh, they're just like we're children. They yeah. just like they have an attitude that like we are just like 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 spoiled children who just don't understand what patience means. Yeah, we're babies. Uh, it's kind of amazing that they are so uh, generous as to let us choose our leaders the way that they do. I'm really grateful for that. I'm always, I mean, I'm always blown away with like how generally like pliant Americans are. Like yeah. obviously, you can look at COVID and go like, oh, well, like half the country isn't like wasn't wearing masks or like isn't getting the vaccine but like everything else like well if it doesn't people, affect them personally they're fine yeah yeah um everything else like uh health insurance like just the price of basic goods going up long before the supposed inflation surge now every indignity that every american suffers just not totally fine with well, it we are we're people we're people the Angloids like love being abused. They appreciate it. That's why like half of them want to get back in there. But uh, Americans will just be abused and convince themselves it's not happening. And also, uh, you the list of things that they'll endure. Uh, the forever war in Afghanistan. Yeah. The premise of this article that there was some public outcry, some pressure to get us out is just wrong. Yeah. People had forgotten about Afghanistan. Nobody gives a shit about Afghanistan. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a popular policy when people because when people are asked like, should we get uh, out of Afghanistan? They're like, they're like, shit, I knew we were still there. Yeah, exactly. They probably it's just like, assumed we that should we had get out of there. Gone. Yeah, I would like to get out of there. And but like, they, it's not. Nobody was clamoring for it. It was not an electoral issue. Biden didn't run on it. It was a discreet choice by an administration. It is not being powered by public opinion. The entire premise of the article is incorrect. Americans don't like thinking about this shit ever. Never. I guess, uh, after the Soviet defeat in Afghanistan at the hands of the U.S.-trained and armed Mujahideen in 1989, training that was facilitated by Pakistan, we decided we were done. We could see the Afghan civil war coming, 
The only thing holding the disparate, disparate Afghan groups together was a common enemy. But that was not our problem. We were leaving. <laughs> what is this, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character from fucking Charlie Wilson's <laughs> War? Uh, on the way out, we stopped helping Pakistan in a key way. We ended security and economic assistance because of its nuclear weapons program, something we've, we'd exempted before. So Pakistan, in its own narrative, went from being the most allied of allies to the most sanctioned of adversaries. That is why Pakistan threw its support to the Taliban when they started gaining ground in the 1990s. It could end a dangerous conflict along Pakistan's own unstable borders. And that is why a decade later, after 9-11, Pakistan welcomed the return of the United States and U.S. assistance. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to skip ahead here. It was not only the current president showing impatience. President Donald Trump announced that peace talks would convene in Qatar between the United States and the Taliban. But those took place without the Afghan government. We had caved on a longstanding Taliban condition. We, were therefore delegit we therefore delegitimized the government we had pledged to support. The Taliban did eventually allow the government represent representatives into the room, but the talks went nowhere. As that painful process unfolded, we added injury to insult, forcing the Kabul government to release 5,000 Taliban prisoners. It's like, what are they, like, this is the funny thing, it's like, what is Ryan Crocker really referring to here when he talks about they shut out the Afghan government? We, like, we let the Afghan government down. Like, who are you really talking about there? Like, Kabul. Like, they're talking about a couple guys in the one, like, the major city in Afghanistan. All of the big opium dealers, all 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 the big uh, the big players, the guys uh, at the co-op uh, at the Holiday Inn in the Wire, basically. <laughs> uh, that didn't matter to Mr. Trump. He was done with patience and just wanted out, whatever the consequences. He reached an agreement with the Taliban for that complete withdrawal, but left office before he could execute it. Enter Mr. Biden. To my shock, he embraced Mr. Trump's Afghanistan policy. We have betrayed our promises to interpreters, women and children, and others who are now trapped in Afghanistan, controlled by the Taliban. I fear many will lose their lives because of Mr. Biden's impatience. We had their backs until Mr. Biden decided we didn't. They will pay for it. Well, I mean, he's right about the last part, but like, we never had anyone's fucking back in no. that country. What the fuck? Like, it's we just, were killing them. We were training yeah. death squads. We were fucking bombing hospitals. Like, we were stacking their fucking civilian bodies without any fucking concern for anything other than some nerd ass coin bullshit that these guys all uh, like learned at uh, in grad school and then and then applied not to win a war or to save lives, but so that they get a fucking promotion at a book deal. It did not have to be this way. When I left Afghanistan as ambassador in 2012, we had about 85,000 troops in the country. The Taliban controlled none of Afghanistan's 34 provincial capitals. When President Barack Obama left office, there were fewer than 10,000 U.S. troops. And when Mr. Trump departed, there were fewer than 5,000. The Taliban still did not hold any major urban area. Now they hold the entire country. What changed so swiftly and so completely? We did. Mr. Biden's decision to withdraw all U.S. forces destroyed an affordable status quo that could have lasted indefinitely <laughs> at a minimum cost in blood and treasure. No, no, to, to, first yeah, of all, yeah. $300 million a day. What, what's that? Fliff, not even counting it. Fliff like a sultan. But fucking Afghans have been dying this whole time. The Americans stopped dying because we made a deal with the Taliban, but that was in exchange for them tearing the shit out of the Afghan army, which was getting their asses kicked and who was returning fire in, in their own for in their own uh, war crimes? People were fucking dying. I just I, I love the idea that like th this was just infinitely sustainable. And you know what? Like he's right. Like that's what our government is set up to do. But like what's so fucking yeah? Three hundred million dollars a day. Uh, overall, the entire cost of the Afghanistan war represented, as I've talked about before, between two and three trillion dollars transferred from public coffers to five defense contractors. Yeah. 
That's what this is all about. Yeah. And they want that. They want that laundromat to just stay open. Yeah. Keep washing all that money. And it is so doubly infuriating. It's like almost a cliche to say it. Like, and I hate it. But like three trillion dollars over twenty years to produce this result. And Bernie's Medicare for All bill is $1.3 trillion over 10 years. Like, if we just spent that money, every single American could have health care. And the thing they always say is just like, oh, Medicare for All, that's going to cost a trillion dollars. Like, like, as opposed to this shit? Yeah. uh, But, But like, that's spending money money on American citizens. We can't bomb it, which is the fun part about building a hospital. (laughs) That you you get to strafe it with a fucking C-130. Even if Afghanistan is what they say it is, which I guess is like... The the like doom like wherever the Legion of Doom hung out in the big underwater <laughs> thing, where they are just all they care about is planning attacks on America and executing them. Even if it was that, and we're leaving it to let it go back to being that, and there was a nine eleven that just they happened at random every other fucking day, it would be infinitely more beneficial for America to just leave it at that and implement Medicare for all. Way less people would die. Like, and, and would way also, fewer. It would way fewer. Like, like the net like lives saved versus lost is so massively weighted to like how many like American lives would be saved by Medicare yeah. for all versus anyone that may theoretically be killed in a terrorist attack. Which are like, let's be honest, you're more likely to get killed by a great white shark on land than you are to be killed in a fucking terrorist yeah. attack. And it's just like also the media would just be like talking about these twelve Americans that died. Like another reason I don't think people are going to like get up for this way they used to is like. Uh, 900 Americans died in Florida yesterday. <laughs> yeah, 9-11 every day. That's what we've been saying and here, we, and it's and true. We, and we have all collectively decided that because that's okay. we can't figure it out, because it's, well, that would require a political solution, and our, our political system doesn't work that way. We're just going to vibe it out. And if yeah. we're going to vibe that out, we, I think we can vibe out some Marines. And you know what? No, yeah. If we had vibed out all the people that died on 9-11, that would be way been, better off than we are now. That would have been time to do it. Yeah. That would have been time to vibe out some deaths. Yeah. To get some fucking perspective. Be a little stoic, you know? Maybe look the other way. But if, no, it's because that, because that happened, because it fractured that idol. We all went insane. But now, 20 years later, after everything that's happened, the collapsing crises and mounting contradictions and body counts and, and just the public complete collapse of a, uh, any kind of uh, uh, public uh, interest, it's like, hey, you know, what, what are you going to do? And that is the one thing we have in our favor to prevent uh, another uh, return to Afghanistan to try to avenge our fallen troops. It's just the, the absolute, just the deadening <laughs> Uh, of the American people when it comes to to uh, to death, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens At, during the press conference today. Biden he did he tried to do some bush shit. He said we're gonna hunt you down, we're gonna get you, and it's like okay, Grandpa it wasn't did, very, he, did he, he didn't say, really did he say anything about the August thirty first deadline at the press conference? I, I, really I had to leave before in. he okay, was done, right. but uh, but at the end they did ask him. They said, "Do you regret doing the withdrawal?" And he said, "No." And then he cut the thing short saying, I've got another meeting. <laughs> he is, well, yeah, he's walking right into like a cryo chamber where they're jamming Vivans into his neck. Um, I think when he said, we're going to hunt you down, that was also Mackinac. That's like, we're, we're just going to see that there was a fire in Langley tomorrow. <laughs> when he said, we're going to hunt you down, he was talking about the black and tans. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, uh, let's see here. Uh, even with a full withdrawal, we might have managed steps that would have protected our interests. 
Well, I mean, I think we did do that. The head of the CIA literally flew to Afghanistan to meet with the leaders of the Taliban. Yeah, I think everybody. It's weird how ISIS. It's weird how ISIS like just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? No, yeah. they didn't even come close to him. Weird. It's crazy how these things happen. Oh my god, what a lucky guy! It's like what a dude, lucky little trooper I mean, he like, is. I mean, I'm, I'm sure escaped like, by the skin of his teeth. I'm sure there was like something like uh, some ISIS presence in Afghanistan or whatever. But like, try to remember the last time you even heard the word ISIS in the media. Yeah, it was like probably five years yeah. ago. Yeah, this like, was dude. The CIA well, is at sweeps week. And guess what? Like, uh, <laughs> the CIA had a lot to do with creation of ISIS in the first fucking place. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah, like, and then yeah, out of nowhere, it's just like ISIS is back. ISIS K. I'm just so. <laughs> it even has a new name. Like, what the fuck? I'm so happy the CIA director got out safely, though. It was so such <laughs> yeah. a like nail biter, you know. <laughs> yeah, they Man. had no problem getting him in him in and out of that country. That's yeah. for sure. It's like all those people, all those people who come from America to Idlib to report on it. <laughs> they just narrowly making it out. I really think that like part of this, like, sure, they, they, you know, whatever agencies are on the ground doing shit. You know, it's in the even if the, these ISIS guys are doing their shit independently, they have an interest in trying to bring America in. The intelligence community has an interest to in try to bring us back in. But even if they have accepted, okay, fine, we tried to get Joe to to, to we tried to, to punk Joe out, but he was too strong. He had too much grit. Uh, fine. Now we can try to get China in here so we can do uh, uh, Russia again. But I'm sorry, the Chinese aren't as dumb as us. They're not going to default for it. No. I just do not think it's going to yeah, happen. I mean, no. we, we read President Xi's interview with Thomas Friedman last week. Yeah. It's, it's not happening. China, yeah. China, like, they're fine, like, eating a loss for a little bit. You know, I could see them making a deal with anyone on Earth. If they really want to, they will, like, they will have the first ISIS Gucci stores up. <laughs> They'll be fine. They'll figure it out, and you're not going to animate Americans into it. I do think it's e interesting. The week before this, though... The, a, a memo went around like uh, the liberal media to uh, castigate Spike Lee for talking to 9-11 truth. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. Because like, I mean, like, very look, interesting. Uh, Benghazi 2 just happened. And let's just say the intelligence community is in a, you know, a vulnerable. They're, 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 they're feeling a little bit unseen right now. Yes. They don't feel seen at the moment. And I, all I'll say is I've been watching the local and national news quite a bit this summer. And the number of stories about shark sightings, not attacks, shark sightings at beaches in America lead me to a rather terrifying yeah. <laughs> conclusion yeah. about what may be coming down the pike. But yeah, as far as Spike Lee goes, uh, he's already agreed to re-edit the last part of his 9-11 documentary to remove all the... And look, like the people he's interviewing are like the architects and engineers for 9/11 Truth, like the dumbest part yeah, of that, the 9/11. Right, right. Anybody who like wants to talk about jet fuel, fuel and building seven, and all like, that right? Shit. No, Shut that, the that's fuck up. that's all cares. That thing, that itself, like him talking to those people. I think, like, just if you're making a documentary about 9/11, yeah, it's how, interesting to talk to those yeah, people. How, how could you not? But just as far as like what they have to say, nah, I've heard it. That's not the interesting angle on that. That's not the. That's not the string you pull on and things yeah. get unraveled. Let's talk about Saudi but, Arabia. <laughs> but, right, exactly. But, or all the shorting of airline stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. What was the deal with that? Larry, Larry Silverstein's insurance policy, blah, blah, blah. So much stuff. Did you see that article that I found the other day about the Israelis they arrested? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's there so were, much weird shit. Turns out there were five Mossad agents just hanging out across. And, and, and then when they talked to them on Israeli TV, they were like, no, we didn't like we were just there to observe it. What's <laughs> yeah. up, man? 
what's up? And they had camera equipment and like eight passports and like thousands of dollars in cash on them. They're and like, they got arrested and they told the cops, we're not your problem. The, the, the Arabs are your problem. Yeah. Weird. But um, I do think the utility of that for the liberal media to do that is just to like preemptively just like, no, remember 9-11, remember 9-11, nothing, everything in the 9-11 commission report. Don't even think about the missing pages. It's all perfect. Uh, leading up to this, which is Joe bungling our our retribution for 9-11. I don't really think it's going to work. Like, no one's, this is not 2002. I mean, we talk about how the national security state was built around World War II and the Cold War forever. I think this current one, uh, this sort of media apparatus is built around 9-11, and that obviously doesn't work on Americans anymore. Well, that's but the thing. I, very diminishing I feel, like, returns. I feel yeah. like, I mean, this Afghanistan withdrawal, the fact that it was allowed to go forward, because, you know, like, they might not be happy with it in the deep state, but they're going through with it on the say of the senile old man. So there clearly has to be some make lemonade out of the lemon situation. And it's got to be the only thing that makes sense. The only juice that's left is China, is in new Cold War with China, uh, 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 the Asian pivot that Obama was trying to, uh, to start. Because at the end of the day, we, we have just exhausted our imaginative capacity to fixate on fucking terror. We just, there have been too many... Too many, too many people's grandma choked out in the ICU for us to care about terrorism. Well, also that like I think I just saw a poll the other day that showed there's a majority of the American public is way more concerned about domestic terrorism. Right. Our enemies like, are at home. That's why we have to have a big enemy, somebody, somebody who can who can uh, be up to it rather than just this amorphous bullshit. He goes. Uh, so just with Crocker here, he says, uh, now the Taliban hold all the cards. They will determine whether the evacuations through the Kabul airport can proceed. And whatever happens next, the image of, of this American capitulation is already etched indelibly into the world's imagination. What, like, you know what also is in, in etched into the world's imagination? Uh, the Iraq War and the <laughs> Afghanistan War. Like, yeah. you know, where they, they, this is the image they're going to think about. Yep. Um, uh, if it is that the U.S. Air Force C-17 taxiing from the, for takeoff from Kabul, surrounded by a desperate Afghan mob, seconds later, at least one man falls to his death from the plane's wheel well. It is eerily reminiscent of the people who jumped from the World Trade Center on 9-11. Oh, my face God. By fire. Play a new song. <laughs> Learn a new joke. Something. What a tragic and painful circle it closes two decades later. That's, that's okay. And then it says here, Ryan C. Crocker was a United States ambassador to Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Syria, Kuwait, and Lebanon. Did a great job. Both that amazing. and Democratic administration. What an amazing job He's you've done, Ryan. He's literally the fucking Grim Reaper guy knocking on the door <laughs> from the memes. He's the actual dude. Oh, my God. When Ryan Crocker shows up, it is time to change out all your local currency. That shit is not working anymore. <laughs> oh, my gold. God. This fucking Buy some gold, pick up your fake passport, get the fuck out. Yeah. Ugh. They well, should make Ryan Crocker ambassador to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Clean things up down there. Uh, yeah, I think the Florida situation will require time and patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, glad to be back in the uh, same room with you guys. Uh, we will see how this Afghanistan situation continues to develop, and more importantly, we'll see if uh, we'll see if Irish Joe. You know, can he keep it up? Can he, can he keep it up? Can he? I'm I'm sorry, I have blue my shoes. doubts. I don't know. I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm worried for him after that. Pre after, like, yeah, he did seem a little. He was back to sleepy, Joe. Not he Irish was, Joe. He's sleeping. He needs somebody I, needs to give him the fucking the adrenaline needle in the heart. Pulp Fiction. Style. Are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Let's What's go that? catch you in a cellar. <laughs> we need. He needs our help. 
He absolutely does. We need to go down to the, the D.C. We need to go to the White House. We need to bring a big old plate of uh, corned beef and cabbage. Mm. We need to play him at least 15 different covers of Danny Boy in a row. Get him weepy. Get him thinking about his grandma. Start talking to him about, about the time him and Joe Lewis raised the flag over Ujima. Get his blood <laughs> flowing again. Remember, remind him who he is. Let Biden be Biden. Yeah. There has to be, like, in D.C., like, a special track that no one will be on that he can drive a huge car around. Yes. We could get a... I mean, there's a Bed Bath & Beyond near me. We could get, like, an ice cream or, like... You, there's such thing as, like, a home-ready, like, malt maker, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay, cool. I mean, most people use a blender, but, like, he could tell the difference. Yeah, no, we gotta get <laughs> yeah, one of those, like, old-timey, like, five-spindle jobs. Yeah, yeah. We we need to be his we, Jareds. We no, we will become the Jareds. We will be the official soda jerks of the Biden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Just like dude, just like how Nixon and his Doberman were the sober. That's us. Yeah, we're the creeps. We got to do. We we're got to do. We got to yeah. protect him because they'll get to him otherwise. He's just one scared old man. Kamala is there, just filled to the brim with infant blood, ready to take over. Is this a dagger she sees before her eyes? <laughs> yeah. It, it is really funny to think about Kamala at the press conference today. Oh, my God. Like, Joe did not do a very good job, but could you fucking imagine? <laughs> Just giving her way through <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes wow, people die. Of life is always born. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait for President Hibbert. Who am I kidding? She's never going to win. No, she, unless Joe she, Biden dies, she will never be president. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's why he sent her to Vietnam. This is, this is he's playing chess here. This yeah. is chess, not checkers. You got to have the pieces on the right parts of the board before you do the queen's gambit. All right, <laughs> we just got to pray for the storm. We got to pray that Joe somehow is in control of the storm. Get your popcorn ready. Just Enjoy the show, folks. Enjoy the show. Yeah, get your corn pops ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's watch some more uh, pants guy. Yeah, let's watch yeah, okay. some more right. Oh some my god! So in this, in this oh, he's so embarrassed. Look in, at that. In this video, there are three of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's never explained why it's triplicates, but uh, wouldn't you know it? All their clothes come off, and they all have an equally huge dick. Pants dude, uh, pants underscore dude. <laughs> on Twitter, if you are listening, um, we think you are probably the best physical comedian in the uh, entire like the, nation. The Buster Keaton of, of our generation. Absolutely. Like, it's like, yeah, he has a huge dick, but also, like, he just the way that he portrays the feeling of, like, getting your pants obliterated by an escalator, incredible. And honestly... I think our country needs pants guy because I think we feel like him now. Yeah, we're all pants we guy. Yeah. Humiliated. Yeah. Pants. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, oh. Ooh, my pants fell down at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, till next time, guys. Bye-bye. Till next Bye-bye. time. Okay. This is uh, this is one where his like he just opens his pants with the force of his dick. Awesome. <laughs> I love pants.